Well, it's that time again. What time is that? It's time to get naked. Like all the way naked? Well, keep your clothes on, but it's time for the Naked Party Time Podcast, where we get real and raw about life, leadership, and love. While having lots of fun along the way. So what do you say? Are you ready to get naked? Let's do it. Parenting never ends. Some of our listeners with young kids might be shouting, Amen! (laughs) There are definitely seasons of parenting that feel like it never ends. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today in episode 53 of the Naked Party Time podcast, we are talking about how to parent well when your kids are grown. But even if you are not a parent, I believe there are some great principles for you in this episode as well. So welcome back or welcome for the first time to the Naked Party Time podcast where we get real and raw about life, leadership, and love. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello to you there. My name is Jeff Manis, and I'm joined as always by my wife, my parenting partner, my co-host, and my queen, (laughs) Sabrina. How you doing, Sabrina? I'm doing good. I sound a little stuffy because I've been sick, but yeah. I feel fine. I wanted to record a new podcast intro today, and you won't let us because you sound stuffy. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like this. Maybe they think, oh, she's changed her voice a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So we are back. It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yep. What? I don't even know when September the last... September was the last one okay. recorded. Oh, before I went to see Dakota. Yep. Uh, once again... As I do every single month, I wrestled with whether we should keep this thing going or not. But there are at least a couple of people out there who get something out of this. And so I thought we'd fire it back up and see where it goes. And lots has changed in our life since we last did this. My goodness. So we recorded a podcast just before you left to go be in Cheyenne for the birth of uh, Mariah's Mariah. (laughs) Can't even say her name. (laughs) We're off to a roaring start. I'm glad it was you and not me that messed up for once. (laughs) Mariah's kid, Dakota. So it's our first grandbaby. Mm -hmm. And you were there for that. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I got got to be in the room. You cut the umbilical cord. Yeah, I cut the cord. It was awesome. It was amazing. And then we went right back up. We went up there with uh, Michaela and Jada. Yeah, you guys. we were there for a week to hang out. I was there for five weeks. Yep. I did not want to come home. I loved being... Not that I didn't want to come back to my family. New podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) But it was fun to be there and take care of them and serve them. Yep. And then we had Michaela get married. In December. In December, which was awesome. Beautiful wedding. In Cheyenne. In Cheyenne. We drove back to Cheyenne. Yep. So at the wedding, we had two sets of five generations. One on my side, one on your side. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah. Your grandma, then your dad, then you, then Mariah, then Dakota Mm -hmm. was all there. You also have five generations on your mother's side. Yes. That we didn't have all those present. Yeah, all able to be there. And on my side, we had my grandma, my dad, me, Mariah, Dakota. Yeah. Five generations. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. We we had a hundred-year-old woman at the wedding down to Dakota, who was probably the youngest at however old he was three months yeah crazy Uh, yeah and then we moved Michaela to New York where her husband is stationed in the army so we did that upstate New York yep yeah it was Watertown New York so we drove from here to Cheyenne for the wedding as 18 hours then back 18 hours stayed here for one day (laughs) loaded the van 
drove all the way to Watertown, New York. 26 hours. Then back. 26 hours. <laughs> we were in Watertown for two days. We did the math on how many miles we drove for those two trips back to back. And it was the same distance as traveling at its widest point across the United States back to back. It's a long way. It is. It's a good thing we like each other because yeah. we were in the car a long time. Yes, we time. were. Then we entered the new year and got news of another grandbaby on the way. Yes. Jonah and his girlfriend are expecting a baby in July. Yeah, I'm excited. So grandbaby number two is on the way. I know. And then we have, you're pregnant. Oh. <laughs> well, this is news to me. <laughs> Uh, no, that is not true. Uh, no, that is not true. That I was thinking crazy. you and I kind of did things fast and furious. We had four kids in five and a half years. And I was married at 19. You were 22. Yeah. And now we're seeing our kids kind of repeat that. Mariah was married at 18. Yeah. Michaela was married at 19. Jonah will be 23 when his first kid is yeah. born. I was 23 when Jonah was born. Like, we don't mess around in this family. We yep. get things done. That's right. <laughs> so lots has changed in our family, including um, the podcast. I didn't know if we were going to do it or not. <laughs> <laughs> but we had some people talk about how much they got out of it. So yeah. for those of you out there who enjoy this, it's a labor of love. <laughs> so I put out there online, I put out there if anybody had any questions they wanted us to answer, podcast topics. And we actually got some good questions. And so I thought, well... We might as well answer some of these questions. Yeah. And this episode was born from one of those questions. Sabrina, Sabrina, man, I'm <laughs> killing it today. Sabrina, what was yeah. the original question that came in? How do you deal with grown children who aren't followers of Jesus? It's a great question. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there are some principles that remain the same, mm -hmm. whether they follow Jesus or not. Yeah. Like that question's a great question. But the, what we're going to share today is really some principles of parenting that whether your kids follow Jesus or not, we think are great principles for when your kids are grown. In fact, while we are addressing this to parents, all of these principles, I believe, can be used in how we lead or relate to anyone in life. These principles are true for everyone. Yeah. We're just going to be viewing them through the lens of parenting for this episode. Parenting never ends. We are learning that uh, more and more as our kids get older. You never stop being a parent, but the way you parent should change. Right. And I know that sounds like a duh statement, but most parents struggle with this, I think. Right. Yeah. We, we do. We definitely do. And, and one of the books I read, we'll talk about later, but it just made me think of this. It said, our kids will transition before we realize they're transitioning because we're still trying to be a parent mm. at this age they were. And yeah. as parents, we don't transition as fast as our kids do mm. out of the seasons. And maybe because we have several different children in several different seasons, but like our kids are done with us in that season. They're ready to move on yeah. and we kind of lag behind in a sense. Yeah, it's good. So we're going to share four principles that can help us parent well, especially when our kids are grown. And trust us, we have lots of room to grow <laughs> in each of yeah. these. And we have failed on an epic scale in every single one of these. 
So you can just ask our kids if we failed on these <laughs> and they will gladly tell you the many ways we have, we have failed. We have three grown kids now. And I think every one of them would tell you that we failed, but I do believe they would also each say that we've grown in these as well. So yeah. I hope they would. I, as a parent, you constantly have to stay a learner. Yeah. Like I, no matter what stage or age your kids are at, like I'm constantly, how can I be better parent for this yep. stage? And yep. so you have to be a perpetual learner yep. the rest of your life. Yep. That's good. So Sabrina, what is the first principle of parenting? of parenting well when your kids are grown is meet them where they're at meet them where they are yep meet them where they are here's a statement that applies to everyone but we especially need to do this better with our kids mm. we must love people for where they are not where we want them to be yeah that's good we gotta love people where they are not where we want them to be it's how jesus loves us mm-hmm he loves us for where we are, not where he wants us to be. And this relates to several different specific areas of life for our children. The first one being spiritually. Mm-hmm. And that's where this question was born from. Yeah. Like, how do, we, how do we parent well children who aren't following Jesus? It's a spiritual question. Well, we have to love them where they are mm-hmm. <laughs> and not where we want them to be. As followers of Jesus... We want our children to also be fully surrendered to following Jesus. But if they aren't, we can't love them for where we want them to be. We've got to love them for where they are. Right. We also can't be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We have to let God do his job. Yep. Yep. So it's just loving them where they are. It does not mean approving where they are. It does not mean affirming where they are. It just means accepting mm-hmm. where they are. That I will love you right where you are. And we're going to talk about some ways I think that we can lead them to where we want them to be. Yeah. Anything on that spiritual one you want to add? No, I think that's really good. <clears throat> Another specific area for our grown children that I think as parents we could do better, as, in general, capital P parents, all of us, yeah. in loving our kids where they are, is when it comes to college and career. We, we tend to, as parents... Um, try to force our children into certain paths that maybe aren't paths for them. Right. College being one of them. Again, you are free to disagree with me, but we believe that as parents, our children don't have to go to college. Right. That if college is not for you, that's okay. Mm-hmm. We think that you should get a job, you know, be a productive part of society Right. <laughs> as an adult. But... What we did in our parenting is we never made college a requirement. We made it an option if that's what you wanted to do. And right now, three of our four children have not decided to go to college. And I, I feel like this is one of the places we've done well, is not force a path for them that they weren't ready to pursue. Right. Um, one, because I think a lot of people rush into college then are forced to choose a, a degree and then rack up $100,000 or more in debt, graduate college, and that's not even what they want to do with their life. Right. So now they have a degree for something that they're not even passionate about. That happens a lot. Why, why is college like so required after high school when our brains are now fully developed till we're 25? We are allowed 
to do so many things before the age of 25 when our brains are developed. Like how there's so many 40 year olds still trying to figure out who they want to be today. And that is okay. Like there's, I just feel like there's so much pressure on our teenagers to figure out who they want to be when they grow up. When most adults don't even know who they want to be when they grow up. Yep. Another thing that I that I've seen, especially as a youth, when I was a youth pastor, I saw this all the time, of parents verbally disapproving of a career path their child wanted to choose because it wouldn't make them enough money. Yes. Oh man, we saw that a lot. Specifically when it came to to uh, young people that were called to ministry. Yeah. And their parents would try to talk them out of a call that God placed on their life into full time ministry because they couldn't make enough money doing that. And yes, we all want our children to earn enough to care for their basic needs. Right. Which is food, clothing, and shelter. That's basic needs. We all want our children to have that. But we should be careful as, a, as adults placing upon our children a standard that we want them to have right. for a career or, or an income level when it may not be what their career choice can provide or even what they want for themselves. Well, we're almost putting like a cap on God. Like if he's calling our kid into ministry and I expect him to provide for them. He's provided for us in 27 years of ministry. So like, why would he not provide for your kid? Like I just, we're worrying about things that God has figured out and that calling is a calling into whatever, and whatever it, is, yep. it doesn't matter. If your kid feels called to something, you run with that yep. and support that. Yep. Another one that I see often is, is just um, where, where our children choose to live once mm-hmm. they're adults, like say in a different city, not by ours. Mm-hmm. And parents can often struggle with that and trying to either guilt their children <laughs> or... Um, pressure them into make living close to them so that they're still around. Yeah. And again, we have to love them for where they live. Right. Not where we want them to live, which is hard to do. Yeah. We're dealing with that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have one, one kid in Watertown, New York, and one kid in Cheyenne, Wyoming, both with their spouses and now, you know, a grandbaby. And it's, it's hard to be that far away. But there's another thing I think another place I, I believe we've done well. I think if you ask our kids, they would say so too, that we want them to be wherever is best for them. Yeah. <clears throat> even if it makes it harder on us. Right. And right now where's best for them is where they are. Yeah. I told Michaela cause they are in the army. I was like, I'm so excited for all the places you guys will get stationed and I'm going to come see you at every place and see what it's like. Like Jeff and I have to, almost like retrain our thinking for the future where we thought, you know, we'll take vacations just for us, not knowing where our children would live. But now that our children are far apart, we're like, we got to just switch that thinking. And now if we want to go somewhere, we go to where either close to our kids are so we can also see them. Like it just kind of changes. And I think it's exciting to travel and be where they are and be a part of that. And it gives them an opportunity to figure out what the path is that God has for them. Of course, I would love for them to stay by me forever, but that's not always God's plan. Yep. 
And so we have to be wise with our words and be intentional to go to them. Yep. Yep. So two more specific areas here on, on, on parenting where they are, our kids, where they are, loving them, where they are is where they are relationally. Mm. And specifically, I mean, when it comes to being single or married, this one is a major, major pet peeve of mine. Yeah, mine too. And you can go back and listen to, we have several episodes on singleness and on marriage that I think might be helpful for people to listen to. I Please, parents, please stop asking your adult children when they are going to get married. Yes. Please. And if they are married, yes. stop asking them when they're going to have kids. That was the next one. It's not about you. <laughs> like marriage is not the ultimate goal no. for anyone, Mm-mm. including our children. Right. Again, Jesus himself was not married. Right. And so if we believe that we have to be married in order to have a life to the full then Jesus himself is not our example of hmm. living life to the full. Yeah, that's good. Yet I hear it all the time. Parents complaining about their child not being married, asking when they get married, asking why they're not married, asking who they're dating. Like, what if your kid is called to singleness? Mm-hmm. There are people who that's are a, called yeah. to singleness. That's a real calling. We see it in scripture. Mm-hmm. That God might have something for them in a career path that they actually need to be single in order to pursue. Mm-hmm. Like it, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I, I actually think it's a problem in the capital C church. Yes. Yes. Well, it, the capital C church has made marriage an idol. We've made it an idol that marriage yeah. is the, that marriage is the goal. That marriage is what is, it, bring, it offers fulfillment and marriage. Please hear me. I'm not de- trying to demonize no, marriage. No, 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 not marriage at all. Marriage is a gift from God. If you are called to that. Right. And when you are called to that. Mm-hmm. And we as parents don't get to decide when that calling comes or if it comes. So loving our children where they are is meaning if they are single, you love them as a single person, Mm -hmm. whether they ever get married or not, without pressuring them to get married. And if if you have a child that ends up getting divorced, you love them where they are. If they are widowed or a widower, you love them where they are. Like there, there are so many areas of relational life that we just have to love our kids where they are. If they get married and they don't choose the person that you think they should have. You love them where they are. Right. And then, like you said, when they are married, it is not our kids' our kids' responsibility to give us grandkids. Right. That's not their job. It's not their job. What if what if your kid, which there are people out there that we know and are have are friends with, they are physically unable mm-hmm. to have children and do not feel called to adopt. It doesn't make them less. Correct. They're still a family. So what if your what if your child gets married and physically is unable to have kids? Like that's we have to be careful mm-hmm. in loving our children right, right where they are, not where we want them to be, which means you might need to mourn the loss mm-hmm. of some of your dreams that you had for your kids, which if we're honest, are dreams we had for ourselves to experience through our kids. 
we wanted to be grandparents. We wanted to have them live close to us. We wanted to celebrate their college graduation. Whatever it is, yeah. it's really, yes, we want, we want our children to have whatever is best in life. But really, those things are things we wanted to experience with or through our kids. Right. And we might have to mourn that. Well, and we have to not play the comparison game yeah. of what our friends are experiencing because that everybody has a different calling yep. on life. When Jesus knit us together in our mother's womb, he laid out our path. And we don't always get to decide what that is. Yep. And that is okay. okay. That's r- surrendering yeah. our kids to the person who loves them more than anybody yeah. else and letting him do his job. Yep. yep. So meet them where they are. And if there's any one of these that I've struggled with the most, it's the spiritual one. I think as our kids have gotten older, I've gotten better. I struggled with this more as they were going through the teenage years of trying to control that spiritual part of their life when I didn't have any control. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now that they are older, whenever a child makes a decision that I don't think is best spiritually, it does, it still hurts your heart because you know it's not what's best. But I feel like I know, I feel like I've gotten better at letting go of some of that. And again, loving them where they are. We can only control and change ourselves. Yep. We have to remember that we are in control of our reactions. We're in control of our words, of our choices, but only in control of us. Nobody else. Yep. So meet them where they are. Sabrina, what is the second principle for parenting well when your kids are grown? Make the first move. Make the first move. What do we mean by that? It means pursue your kids. Sabrina, you do this so well. Like better than I've seen most parents of adult kids do with this. You are literally a master at this. Mm, so I take that down a notch. <laughs> no, you are. What are some of the things that you started doing as our kids started moving out of the house to pursue them? I well, we always have a weekly phone call, which now that man, I am I don't want to <laughs> cry, but I don't even know why I'm emotional. Sorry. It's okay. I do a weekly phone call. It usually turns into several phone calls in a week. We do a FaceTime. I'm constantly texting them. Uh, I'm trying to always figure out when I can get out there. Or when we can bring them here. We're bringing Mariah here and Dakota next month. I have no idea why I'm so emotional. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, like... I'm always trying to figure out where in the budget can I, can they come here or yeah. I can go there. And I don't have any problem traveling by myself to go see them. Um, our son and his girlfriend moved in with us. I'm trying to figure out even in our own house, what does that look yeah, like I, I to think, pursue them? I think you're, you're always so great at just going to their, your, our adult child's room and just sitting down with them and hanging out. Like yeah. I feel like you do that. So well. I just, I'm not going to wait for them to contact me. I, I want to always be sure I'm the yeah. pursuer yeah. as the parent and uh, checking in on them. I just mailed 
the girls Valentine's Day gifts for their whole family and yep. I have Valentine's Day gifts for the kids that live with us so just like trying to meet them where they're at yep. and and love them where they are and I don't know just keep even as adults like just keep showering them as as my yeah. kids I yeah. guess like yeah. it's good it's good so when our kids are in the home, like when our kids are little, they're in the home, like most parents try to make this a priority, meeting them where they are. Yeah. Like when your kids are toddlers, you're on the floor playing with them. As they get older and they want to wrestle, you're wrestling with them. You're playing hide and seek. You're going to their sporting events. You're, I mean, all the things. When our kids are little, it seems like it's much easier <laughs> to pursue them. They're reliant on us. Well, I think it's easier because this is what I found through 22 years of parenting. Between the ages of zero and 10, 11, at preteen age, your kids pursue you. Mm. They come to you. They ask you to play with them. They want to sit on you, touch you, wrestle with you. They're constantly coming to you. Inviting you to their events. Yes. Like, they are all about you. And then they hit that preteen age and become all about themselves. And so you have to, that's, it kind of flips. Yeah. And I don't think we're always, we don't always recognize it as a parent yeah. where I have to now pursue them, especially yeah. in this social media culture. So if you have teenagers that are always in their room, I just would go, when my kids room, were yeah. teens, I would go in their room and I'd lay on their bed. And if they just wanted to be on their phone, I would just sit on my phone, but we would be together. Yeah. Or I would watch what they're watching, even if I didn't like it or play a game with them. Like you have to flip that switch and yeah. start pursuing them. And once that <laughs> flip once that switch is flipped, yeah. it never goes away. Then you're the pursuer the rest of their life. Yeah. And my girls do a good job of pursuing me back. So we're in constant contact. But I just, I always want to try to go above and beyond even what they expect. Yeah. And uh, like almost like surprise them yeah. with yeah. different things. And it, it's a like... Before you become a parent, make sure this is what your calling is because it is a forever job and it's the hardest job you'll ever have. It's also the most Most rewarding, rewarding. but like you never stop being that parent and it's a lot of hard work. Yep. So when our kids are adults, we got to, we got to learn to keep making the first move, Yeah. which is what, again, I, I think you have done this better than anybody I I know of in my life. Okay. Definitely better than me. Thanks. I'll text our kids. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is you hate talking on the phone. You hate it. Yeah, but I don't even think about it with I know. them. It's not even you you're you make a, a effort to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe you should think about that next time you make a phone call for something. (laughs) No. Like I'm not calling to order pizza. I hate doing that. I'm not calling the doctor's office. I hate doing that. But you know what? My kids hate also making those phone calls, but they like talking to us. (laughs) So meet them where they are, not where you want them to be or even where they need to be. What do you think about that? There might be something like they need to be in a different spot. 
We don't get to make that choice for them. Nope. And if they want, we're going to get this in a second. If they want our advice, they'll ask. Right. We'll get that in a second. (laughs) Second principle is make the first move. So pursue your kids. And then this third one, if if you happen to be listening, I don't know if we have any listeners who don't follow Jesus listening. Oh, yeah. It could be kind of weird, but because we're so focused on Jesus on this podcast. But this next one is only for followers of Jesus, leading children who aren't following Jesus. But it's the third principle. What is it, Sabrina? A model for them a full life in Jesus. We've got to model for our kids a full life in Jesus. If you are a parent of children, no matter their age, but especially adult children who aren't following Jesus, you have to model for them what a full life in Jesus looks like. And this one is specific to that question that started the whole podcast. I think we should all be asking ourselves some questions about our faith as it pertains to anyone who doesn't follow Jesus, whether they're our children or not. Questions like, why would people want what I have? Hmm. That's a great question to ask. Yeah. Like the way I'm living, the way I respond in life, the way I respond to life, why would someone want what I have? The way I treat people. Yep. And then another question. How am I living or yeah, how am I living in a way that is attractive to someone who doesn't follow Jesus? Hmm. I've I'm always inspired by what the apostle Paul says in Romans 10 and 11. In context, he's talking about Gentiles who received a new life in Christ and how Paul said his prayer was that these Gentile people would make his Jewish brothers and sisters jealous for what they have. Hmm. That's always stuck with me. That I want to live in such a way and experience the kind of life with Jesus that would evoke jealousy for what I have in Christ. Hmm. Not jealous in a sinful way, yeah, but in a way that would lead them towards Jesus, to be curious about what it is that we have. Right. First Peter 3, 15 and 16 says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. That people should see in us something different to the point that it causes them to question. Mm-hmm. Like, where does that come from? And I often wrestle with our faith in general as Christians, especially in America. Mm-hmm. Asking the question about capital C Christians, all of us. Why would someone want what we have? Right. Like, how is our life any different because of Jesus? And that we should wrestle with that question. Because the truth is, you line up 50 random people and then look at how they live their life, how they respond in life, how they treat people, how they spend their money. Those 50 people, regardless of faith, would, in America, most likely would not have that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the line is on what difference should be. Right. But we as followers of Jesus, we should be different. Live different. Respond different. Approach life different. All of it mm-hmm. should look different. Right. 
we were, I was talking about this in my knitting small group with the ladies in there because we were discussing your last sermon on Lent. And uh, it feels like Christians in general, <clears throat> like you're saying, they just don't look different. And, and so like people should be able to say if they don't have Jesus and you do, they should be able to see Jesus shining through yeah. you. Like we should be able to walk into a room and see who loves Jesus and who doesn't because we're that different. Yeah. We just, we don't live that way. Yeah. We, the choices we make, and I don't know where the lines yeah. are and the lines are going to be different for everybody. And the way you live for Jesus is going to look different than the way I live for Jesus. Cause we're, God has wired us all unique and differently. But to me, there are some obvious yeah. things that we don't need to participate in, or we don't need to react yeah. the same way. Yeah. And it feels like we're just not even good since COVID at even just loving yeah. people just being and kind. being kind. Yeah. Like s the simplest things that we've been taught since the day we were born to treat people kindly yep. and love them where they're at and we are not even doing that yep. and when you read your bible that's that's so it's such a simple thing that we saw jesus do over and over yep. and over and we can't even get that yep right i'm reading a book right now called good and beautiful and kind becoming whole in a fractured world mm. and it's, but it's about that that as believers in a fractured world we should be good and beautiful and kind. Yeah. It's the fruit of the spirit. Right. Love, joy, peace, <clears throat> patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Like, if we have the Holy Spirit, that's the fruit that should be born from our lives. Mm -hmm. Not perfectly. Right. But even then, like when we don't respond the right way, live the right way, react the right way, whatever it is, like are we confessing that to those around us? Saying, hey, I, I, as a follower of Jesus, I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are we quick to ask for forgiveness? Are we quick to forgive? Yep. Like just some simple principles could yep. change our entire yep. world. So meet, meet them where they are. Make the first move. Model for them a full life in Jesus. All M's. Are you ready for the last one? I'm ready. Drum roll, please. Sabrina, what is the last one? Mute your mouth. <laughs> I like how you said that. <laughs> Mute your mouth. This one is definitely the hardest one for me. Yes, it is. Oh. But you have come a long I ways. Have. Even in the last year, I think I've come a I long know, way. I know. I'm so proud of you. It's, I, I often will go to you and say what I want to say to my children. Yes, which is so fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's in private. And I have failed epically on this one through the teenage years and adult years. If there's anything I go back and do differently, this would be it. In his book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, which is a book every parent should read while their kids are teenagers. Yes, I was going to say, please read when your kids are teens. He made this the tagline, keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. <laughs> and again, I think it should be required reading for every parent before adulthood, before their child reaches adulthood. But here's a couple of quotes from the book. 
Although there are exceptions, I've learned that in most cases, the best policy for parents is to bite their tongues and remain silent. (laughs) Withholding advice goes against our nature as parents, but unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism. And that one line Mm -hmm. wrecked me. Mm -hmm. That when, when I give unsolicited advice, it is usually received as criticism. Yeah. Then he said this, if we keep our mouth shut and, the, and keep the welcome mat out, we increase the odds that our children will come to us for guidance on their own. If we choose to continue giving them unwanted advice, even if it's great advice with the best of intentions, our intrusive counsel will ultimately hurt the relationship. Some call that the high cost of good advice. And I would always justify my advice mm-hmm. by saying, but it's good advice. Mm-hmm. It's even, I mean, if you put it on a scale of good to best things for your life, like it would be what black and white, this is what's best for your life. Right. But I have to keep my mouth shut. They are free will adult human beings. In the same way that when I was 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, I was a free will adult human being who made stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like to remind you of those. <laughs> <laughs> like, remember when we were their age, we didn't know what we were doing. We did all sorts of dumb things, financially dumb yep. things. And our parents weren't trying to tell us what to do. Yep. We, and if they tried, we wouldn't have listened. Yep. Yeah. If your child is in danger, like obviously speak up. Right. But not everything is a danger for our kids. Right. We say, oh, that's dangerous. I mean, it's, no, we just don't want them to do that. Uh, so when I want to say danger. I'm talking about physical harm kind of danger, life threatening kinds of things. <clears throat> like your child needs an intervention because they are addicted to opioids. Right. That kind of danger. Not, I don't like how they're parenting their kids, my grandkids. Right. I don't get a say. Right. And how my parents, how my kids parent their kids. And Mariah is choosing to do some things differently Mm -hmm. than the way we did. And how I'm pursuing that is I'm choosing to read what she reads. I'm choosing to learn how she parents so that I can help her or if Dakota is ever with me alone, I am parenting him as best as I can, just like his does. mom. Because yeah. and we and we've had good conversations about how I told Mariah, I said, I may not agree with what you're doing, but I'll do my best to do it as you do. And I said, just know I'm gonna make mistakes yeah. and I'm gonna end up doing something that Maybe you don't like, I'm not doing it on purpose. It's just my nature will come out sometimes. So we just have had really honest conversations about what this looks like. Yep. So dangerous is not quality of life things. Right. It's life-threatening kind of things. So if your child's not living in the kind of house you want them to have, if they uh, aren't, again, going back to that career thing, they're quality of life things we don't get a say on yeah so keep your mouth 
shut. <laughs> Keep in mind that first principle when you're tempted to open your mouth. Meet them where they are, mm-hmm. not where you want them to be. So, again, this is the hardest one. Right. Biting your tongue, keeping your mouth shut, finding a safe place to express those frustrations to someone else. If you're married to your spouse, maybe it's to a friend, maybe it's to your small group of just expressing those frustrations instead of expressing them to your children. Right. So we do recommend that book, Doing Life with Your Adult Kids by Jim Burns. Sabrina, you've read several others. What other ones would you recommend? Yeah, so the other adult one I've read is The Do's and Don'ts of Parenting Adult Kids, Practical Ways to Keep Your Relationship Healthy and Long-Lasting Even When Challenge Arise. And that's by Anne-Marie Sorensen. Um, It's a book I found on Kindle Unlimited, but something from that book that I thought was really good. During these early years, our role as the teacher means that we do most of the talking. We instruct them, praise them, sometimes reprimand them, and always encourage them. But after adulthood, we need to put away the role of teacher and step into the shoes of a mentor, which I thought, again, it's that brain switch. Do you know what the most important characteristics of a mentor are? They don't have personal expectations. Wow. Their role is to effectively guide others in achieving their goals and ambitions. So when you act as a mentor to your child, your responsibility is to help them build the life they want hmm. and not the life you want for them. By doing so, you will put the focus on what your child wants to make of their life and it will make you more receptive towards listening to their desires, career plans, and other important mm. decisions. Awesome. So an, as another great book. And then I've mentioned this book before on the podcast, and it's a parenting book by Andy and Sandra Stanley called Parenting, Getting It Right. And I really like, this is a book I wish I would have had when my kids were younger, but the way he sets up uh the stages of parenting I thought was really good. So the four stages of parenting are the discipline years, zero to five years old, which our kids learn so much by the time they're five. The training years, five to 12 years old. The coaching years, 12 to 18 years old. And then the friendship years, which is 18 plus years old. His book is full of nuggets of wisdom. And I was kind of surprised by some of the things Andy put in place in their parenting, Andy and Sandra. And this uh, one thing I think is really important. He says, and I think it kind of goes with our question too, what do we do when our kids maybe don't love Jesus? And his biggest takeaway was to always parent with the relationship in mind. He said, parent with the relationship, not their faith in mind. Do everything in your power to keep your side of the relational drawbridge down, regardless of what they believe or don't believe. And this is difficult, regardless of how they choose to live. Mm. Dare I take it a step further, maybe too much further. Don't Mm. let your faith get in the way of your relationships with your children. Here's why I say that. Jesus never allowed what he believed to separate him from people. Just the opposite. His perfect understanding of what God is like and who God likes compelled him to always keep his side of the relational drawbridge down with all kinds of people. 
Jesus liked people who were nothing like him and they liked him back. Mm. They liked him because they were convinced he liked them, which was unlike other religious folks they knew. Mm. I just thought that was so good. And I remember thinking, I thought for sure he was going to say something spiritual and then he went in the other direction. And I think we, we think when we love Jesus and of course we all want our kids to love Jesus and follow him and, I'm a big believer and I don't want my kids to be happy. I want them to be holy and I don't live for their happiness because I, it's a fleeting emotion and it comes and goes, but we have to keep that relationship open and strong so that Jesus can use us and open those doors when the time is right. And we have to be a safe place that's not critical and judgmental and making them feel bad because they're not living the way we think they live. We are not God. And we don't get to determine the way God knit them together and the plan he has for them. And so I just think it doesn't matter. Relationship with anybody. Because we don't have to agree with, I don't even agree with Jeff all the time and we're married. So like, you're not ever going to agree perfectly with everybody, but to keep that relationship, it's so important. And I just thought that was some really good things. And then one last thing, I know I'm taking a lot of time. (laughs) Um, I just, if you're not Praying consistently for your kids. Prayer is our best weapon and our first defense. And we do not run to prayer. We run to our opinions and thoughts first. And so just a couple of books that have really helped me in my prayer life is The Power of a Praying Parent, The Power of Praying for Your Adult Children, The Power of a Praying Grandparent by Stormy O'Martian. So I just constantly be on your knees praying yeah and let god do his job yeah yeah it's good thank you so there you have it four principles to parent well when your kids are grown and for the most part these are great pieces of advice just for leading and relating to anyone in life really so meet them where they are make the first move model for them a full life in jesus and mute your mouth Mute your mouth. Anything else to add, Sabrina? No, I just wait on God. Yeah. He, yes. He'll let you know yeah. the right time. And He'll the right open thing. the door yep. to know when you can talk. Yep. Yep. Otherwise, just keep your mouth shut and let Jesus do the rest. Yep. yep. Lord willing, we'll be back next month for another episode. As long as I continue agreeing to do this. <laughs> Our goal is to release a new episode each month on the second Tuesday. If you have any podcast ideas or suggestions, any comments or questions, you can email my assistant, Janice, at hello at jeffmanis.com. Sabrina, why don't we end, as we always do, with our marriage mission. We We are are united united in Christ, Christ, unstoppable with Christ, and unbreakable because of Christ. Christ. Now it's time for you to go get naked. And partay. See you on the other side. You've been listening to the Naked Party Time podcast. Join us next time as we get real and raw about life, leadership, and love.